0: I've calculated an 84% probability that the following podcast may contain spoilers for the movie Team America World Police. That's good intelligence. That's very good intelligence.
1: Welcome to Diabolical, where four long-suffering friends dissect film's most dastardly schemes and compete to improve them and to win the coveted slot of next week's host, I am your host, Adam Turner, and this week's movie is Team America: World Police. So, back. Dirk, dirk Allah, dirk, dirk. Muhammad Jihad, Hakka Sherpa Sherpa, Bak Allah. Let's get diabolical.
0: When did you learn dirk, dirkistan?
2: <laughs> That's the best <laughs> acting I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: I was just like thinking, what can I put in there? And I was like, now, so get down on your knees and get ready to put my cock in your mouth and let's get done. <laughs> but I thought that's entirely inappropriate. I'm glad you didn't do that one. <laughs> on. Right. Anyway, straight <laughs> <shut your> face. <laughs> As usual, I am joined by the panel of Peril who will now introduce themselves. And in particular, on over the creators of
2: today's film, can you tell us your favourite South Park episode, please? I'm Ben Steinson, and my favourite South Park episode is Scott Teneman Must Die, in which Cartman feeds Scott Teneman his parents.
0: I'm Craig Morris, and my favourite South Park episode is More Crap, in which Bono is revealed to be the world's biggest shit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Gareth Slade, and my favourite South Park episode, I don't know the title of it, it's the one where they take down Family Guy.
2: You know, there's this, this crazy new tool called a uh, Search Engine where you can type in and find out the names of episodes. That's what I did. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly too. what I did. I forgot. I looked up the other thing that we discussed and I forgot to no. look up the episode title. This is where you <laughs> start to see the commitment showing through, is you know? Called Cartoon Wars. Cartoon Wars, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. My favourite episode is Season 14, Episode 7, called Crippled Summer, where they do an intervention on Towley. 2004 was a fantastic year for cinema. Most notably, in my list, they include Million Dollar Baby, The Incredibles, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Shaun of the Dead, and of course, the Thunderbirds live-action movie. Hmm, I think that fits in quite neatly, Aita. What's your favourite movie from this year, guys? Fuck
0: oh, you! Ask us to pick our favourite movie, and then you pick five. <laughs> Leave some for us. No, I haven't told you my favourite.
1: <laughs> I I just said notable films. If you were paying attention,
0: you would have heard that. Okay, so my favourite film of 2004 is Dead Man's Shoes. Did I steal yours? Oh, wow. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Okay, so I got some some backups because it occurred to me that Gaz's (laughs) favourite film of 2004 might be the same as mine.
2: Because you guys are both equally pretentious. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
0: My backup number two movie of 2004 is the extremely pretentious Spider-Man 2 and my number three film of 2004, Kill Bill, Volume 2. I'd like to give a shout out to Monday Night Shyamalan's The Village, which is still the best film I've seen with Bryce Dallas Howard in it.
1: Hold on a minute. How many films have you been waffling on about Yeah. I just to for your favorite You picked 5 I so
0: i thought we all could
2: i didn't pick 5 i said notable notable films uh, my favorite film from 2004 is the life aquatic with steve zissou yeah. and
3: and mine is i don't know let's say
2: <laughs> antman
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i hate you guys but shut down do i respect you <laughs>
0: It's probably all right for us to have the same favourite <laughs> film in 2004,
1: but it's a bit more interesting when you mention other
3: ones, isn't it? It's fine, it's fine. Anchorman's good.
1: I thought you were going to say a film that you
3: talked about for Lemony Snickets, is uh that year as well. Oh, that didn't pop up on my list. Spider Man 2 was my backup, and then Craig had that as well. Ah, he just got greedy, really, didn't he? <laughs> just yeah, because we're, we're equally pretentious, <laughs> equally pretentious. <Yes. laughs>
1: yeah, I'd say my favourite film that of the year was Finding Nemo, so I don't think you can get any, you know. Less than that. That. Elsewhere in world affairs, Harold Shipman, a British GP, is believed to have killed more than 200 of his patients in Manchester, is found hanged in his prison cell. Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction inadvertently exposes her breast during the halftime show of Super Bowl XXXVIII. In August of that year, the Olympics get underway in the city of Athens, Greece. U.S. President George W. Bush wins a second term in office. Sean Penn and Charlize Theron win Best Actor for Mystic River and Monster, respectively. While Lord of the Rings, Return of the King wins an unprecedented 11 gongs from 11 nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director, confirming it is the greatest film franchise ever. Also, sadly, Hollywood screen legends Marlon Brando and Christopher Reeve die. It was a busy year. How many
0: Oscar noms and awards did Titanic get? they got a lot, right?
1: not as many as that I think it
0: was ten maybe
1: Lord of the Rings pistol over it one more <laughs> it. rained on Jim Cameron's uh, parade does that
0: mean Titanic's the second best movie of all
1: time Fra- franchise I said if you again you weren't paying attention this, this seems to be habit of yours Selective listening to it. just hears uh, that white noise whenever he's just not interested In Team America, an elite US counterterrorism squad loses member Carson while destroying half of Paris in a reckless pursuit of Middle Eastern maniacs. Broadway actor Gary Johnson is naturally hired to replace him. Team America is soon on the trail of North Korea's evil leader, King John Hill, who has been secretly funding the terrorists and also conning Alec Baldwin and the rest of the Film Actors Guild, FAG for short, in a plot to blow up every major city on the planet. This is all communicated through the rare cinematic medium of marionettes, paying homage to the aforementioned Thunderbirds creator Jerry Anderson. South Park creators Trey and Matt Stone, along with co writer Pam Brady, devise this unabashed satire of pea brained Hollywood action films and even small minded global politics. Just as the mindless team America cheerfully demolish everything in sight, so do director Parker and the production team. Taking no prisoners, no one is spared harsh blunt force treatment throughout the movie. It's offensive, irresponsible, painfully funny and absolutely fantastic. So what did you all think of the movie?
0: I really enjoyed watching it. I haven't seen it for a while. I think it's it's still funny and it's still a technical achievement. It's a work of art, the likes of which we'll probably never see again.
3: I thought it held up really well. Also, the vast majority of the jokes still hit. Unlike South Park's approach to offend everybody, then nobody can really be offended. There's a couple of jokes that haven't aged so well, like the aforementioned FAG acronym. And some of the Middle Eastern jokes are a bit eh, but on the whole, yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought it was great. I hadn't seen it since 2004 and I, uh, I laughed my little butt off. Like, like everyone else said, the, I think the jokes still work. The, vis- the visual comedy that's throughout, you know, those kind of those glances where live action film, you'd expect some emotion on the face. the camera holds out like it's expecting the emotion but obviously the puppet doesn't change and just things like that it's just funny every time and
0: like when they point at each other and miss the face yeah,
2: yeah, that's great.
3: Those are some of the best <laughs> jokes for me. the The filmmaking jokes, like when um, Gary jumps out of the exploding helicopter, and it's like the clipped frame rate. Yeah. Just little things like that. It doesn't need to be there, but just that joke about sort of the Michael Bay way of yeah. filming yeah. action. Not that There's anything wrong with that? But yeah, the the little filmmaking <laughs> jokes. You got any favourite quotes in particular? You might get
0: captured behind enemy lines, and if you do, you'll probably want to take your own life. Better take this. He expected him to hand him a sign, they'd hands in a hammock.
2: All the best lines are Spotswood's. My very favorite, yeah, is a kind of running joke all the way through is, is the nicknames he calls uh, Gary. Gary, right this way, you maverick renegade. <laughs> yeah. Go get him, cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just do my, my very last one. It's after the base has been destroyed by an exploding Michael Moore, who, incidentally, the puppet was made out of ham, and that's what you see flying <laughs> towards the screen. <laughs> Gary goes back, and he's kind of walking through the rubble, and you hear Spotswood voice say, uh, don't move, Professor, or I'll blow your commie brains out. Gaz, do you want to fire off a yeah, few? I have got just the phrase,
3: valmorphonize <laughs> it's, it's so stupid, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. I can't I can't square in my mind even slightly what the hell that means because it's applied to the car. It's applied yeah. to his makeup the, when he becomes when he becomes a terrorist. That's just amazing.
0: And on the bike when she presses the Valmorfise button, the bike doesn't change. It just goes shoot
3: the air because nothing else happens. <laughs> The shot of the Gary Puppet against the real Wall of Sacrifice, the 9-11 Wall of Sacrifice, I thought was absolutely mental. Yeah. It's and so it's, funny it's, just touching not it. Not to scale. <laughs> no,
2: yeah. What would you do? That whole montage is
3: brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free so
1: is free, cause folks like you and me.
0: Yeah, one of the lines I've written down as one of my favourite lines is just, Ooh, book of Favre. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in that song, <laughs> "Freedom Cost <calls the> a Buckle." <laughs>
3: Freedom isn't free; it's a hefty fucking fee. is another good one from that song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and if you don't throw in your buckle five, who will?
1: <laughs> um, well, I'll give you. I'll fire off one. I particularly like when um, the film actors' guilds. There's like a little commercial, isn't there? The, the Tim Robbins guy comes on and goes, "Let me tell you all how this works." You see. Team America is funded by the corporations, so they fight for the corporations while they sit in their corporation buildings and they're all corporationy and make lots of money. Yeah. And Sean Penn does a good one as well, didn't he? About the... I used to, I went to Iraq before the war and it was gumdrop smiles and <laughs> chocolate brifes.
2: Apparently, uh, Sean Penn sent a, a rather rude missive to uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Wasn't very happy about his inclusion. I'm sure they framed it. And got it on the wall but <laughs> it's, it's signed Fuck you sincerely. <laughs> Sean Pad.
0: Conversely, I heard that Alec Baldwin wanted to do his own voice and they yeah. told him no mm. <laughs> the sex scene. Is very funny, and uh, the thing that made me laugh out loud the most upon this what well, probably would have been like my fourth viewing of this, but the first one in years—is uh, the vomit scene and just Oof. the score that yeah. goes along with it. Big triumphant, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, with the sex scene, they had to keep going back to the film classification board. I think they went back like about nine times because of that sex scene. Basically, they they, were, they wanted to give it a higher rating because of yeah. this yeah. <laughs> puppet sex yeah. scene.
3: Which is crazy. It's strange because the film constantly draws attention to and acknowledges the fact that these are puppets. So you think <laughs> that might right. knock the rating down because there's no, there's no genitalia or anything like that. I understand a pearl necklace was featured. <laughs> during that sex scene originally, so maybe on slightly dodgy ground. But the film is constantly yeah. drawing attention to the fact that these are puppets in fight scenes and kissing scenes. And when the real hand brings out the ring at the start for um, the dude who gets wasted straight away. So you'd yeah. think that would count for the ratings board, but clearly not.
0: So there's another running gag I really like, which is every time we get an establishing shot of a new place, tells you it's relative proximity to America.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue because I was going to start talking about the, the sets, how great they were. I love like the uh, establishing shot on North Korea. If you look closely, you can see most of the buildings outside the palace are Chinese takeaway <laughs> <laughs> containers. <laughs> and so that kind of got my interest when I realized that. I thought, well, what else is going on? And uh, I was, I was kind of looking through and I went back through and looked at a few of the sets. And I, I wasn't sure. So it's got this television shot of uh, Panama and the jungles. I was like looking at it, and so I Googled it, and apparently it's, it's all marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, the sets were really good. It's an interesting behind-the-scenes story
3: about the sets because the, the first uh, piece of the film that they showed to the Paramount executives is that dodgy bit at the start with the French child marionette in front of the drawn background going, bleu!" <laughs> and uh, they, sh- yeah. they showed that as final footage to Paramount, and the executive in the room apparently stood up and shouted, they've absolutely fucked us, thinking that that was final film footage. <laughs> and then it yeah. zoomed out.
0: <laughs> I think I also heard that George Clooney was pretty upset about his uh, featuring, because he previously worked on South Park as uh, Sparky the Gay Dog, probably thought he was pals with Matt and Trey.
3: I think, what from what I remember, it wasn't so much Team America, it was the South Park episode Smuggle It, With the Smug Cloud coming across South Park instead of the Smug Cloud. (laughs) Right. And a prominent feature of the Smug Cloud was his Oscar acceptance speech, which I don't know if you remember it, he was talking about how Hollywood was ahead of the curve and they gave the maid from Gone with the Wind an Oscar. He was basically saying that Hollywood is better than everybody else and... Apparently, yeah, he was really pissed off with that, as I recall. Uh,
0: another question is, uh, why Janine Garofalo? There's a lot of A-list celebs skewer than this, and then just Janine Garofalo, who seems really out of place. Uh, and then uh, the other question I've written down here, which I can't rely on Google for and genuinely don't know because I have not seen it, does does Pearl Harbor
3: suck? Never seen it. I would watch it if, if it was uh, on a streaming but, yeah. service. No, I've never watched it. Oh yeah,
0: there's another question I have here actually. Is it my imagination or is Baxter the limousine driver a woman in a fake moustache? Oh yeah,
3: definitely. (laughs) What's that about? (laughs) It's just a throwaway (laughs) gag, isn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have read that uh, Kim Jong-il was a big film fan and that he owned something like 20,000 videotapes. He was a big fan of Sean Connery and the Bond series. Apparently he was a big fan of Friday the 13th, Rambo, Godzilla. Uh, he was a big fan of Hong Kong action movies like Jackie Chan and Jan, stuff like that. And my favourite, he was a big fan of uh, Ealing comedies. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Alec Guinness movie, Kind Hearts and Coronets. But uh, it's about a guy who has to kill uh, his siblings to become the heir apparent to a duke them which made me wonder if uh, that's rubbed off on the Kim family at all. There are some rumours around, aren't there? Mm. They might have killed some of their siblings.
3: With uh, anti-aircraft yes. guns, no yep. doubt. I have the uh, Janine
2: Garofalo story here. Just just one more thing
3: on Kim Kim Jong-il. Uh, he also directed mm. some of his own films as well that didn't see general release, just for his own pleasure. Wow.
2: He's like Prince. Oh, wow. Garofalo was mocked for her, uh, her political stance, and uh, she described... Trey Parker and Matt Stone was cowardly for their attack on her.
3: Right. Row.
2: Yeah, she was not very happy. And she actually confronted them in the street and demanded the, the least they could do was give her a puppet. <laughs> and uh, they agreed, but they never sent her the puppet. So she said, well, I was annoyed with Team America, the movie. I was more annoyed about not getting a puppet.
3: <laughs> just got one more story about the making of the film, the, the origin of Trey Parker and Matt Stone making a puppet-based film, was that they gained access to the shooting script for The Day After Tomorrow, the Roland Emmerich Earth Freezes disaster film. And they read it and they thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And their plan was to film that script with puppets and release it before (laughs) Roland Emmerich could uh, release the actual (laughs) film. Um, But they they received a cease and desist letter. And so uh, Team America is the film that we eventually got.
1: Gaz, uh, has Dylan seen this film and what is
3: his uh, his feelings about it? Uh, I didn't feel that he's, he's old enough to watch it, I think, but perhaps not old enough to watch it with his dad <laughs> in light of some of the scenes. Yeah. I thought it might be okay. a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So I thought I just won't give it first for this one.
1: So, Kim Jong-il's plot in the film is to blow up cities across the globe to ensure global destruction is inevitable. Is a truly diabolical plot. But what do we think, guys? Does it pass mustard? Pass mustard?
3: Mustard. <laughs> pass mustard,
1: yeah. Muster. Pass mustard.
3: Pat, pat mustard. Pat
1: mustard.
0: <laughs> this is a very milky cup of tea, Mrs. Doyle. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I stand by my previous remarks. Uh, what do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great plot. It, it very nearly succeeds, right? It only sort of unravels at the last
3: minute. It seems plausible, doesn't it, that you could trick celebrities into being complicit in the plan by... Um, I don't know where I'm going with that thought. <laughs>
0: Anyone who's seen Brass Eye will, will know how willing celebrities are to be complicit in just being spokespeople for nonsense. Literally. Yeah.
3: Nonsense. <laughs> I'm talking nonsense. nonsense.
0: So yeah, it's it's completely plausible that rallying behind a cause that they feel is righteous but don't really know anything about it would happen. And also, it's frighteningly plausible that a world dictator of the like of Kim Jong Il could orchestrate a massive terror plot
2: like that. Yeah, absolutely, I think its simplicity is its genius as well, which is why I'm awarding it five florets of broccoli.
3: Way place to see the florets back. You've been a bit slack the last yeah. few weeks. Did you? Did you forget? And then you remembered when
0: we listened to that one yesterday? Because I did.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I, I might. I might just add it in the description.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the part of the show where Panel of Peril reveal their own wickedly devised plots to usurp King John Ill's diabolical scheme in Team America.
3: Uh, I, I select Gareth to go first. Given that we have established that the joke of the film is that everybody is a puppet... And has AIDS, of course. I would suggest that any diabolical aim can simply be achieved by investing in a decent pair of scissors to cut the strings that support said <laughs> puppets. The end.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, <my laughs> uh, ben. Ben. Do you want to go next? Uh, You've got a tough act
2: to follow. I was going to say, I'm not sure I follow that, but I'll give it a go. (laughs) Okay. So what's one thing North Korea does better than anyone else? That's right. Propaganda and pageantry. Or rather propaganda disguised as pageantry. And that is the genius of my plan. As head of state, I would declare an end to uh, my nation's insular ways and express a desire for a more global, more cooperative North Korea. Of course, this would be music to the ears of the developed world, who would welcome the decision and praise my vision as leader. In return, as a show of gratitude for their gracious response, I would send my nation's best traditional song and dance troops on a global peace and happy tour. They'll be hitting all the major cities in developed nations and spreading messages of peace and unity. Or, so it would seem. Traditional Korean folk music fused with tasty house beats to appeal to sophisticated Western ears would actually be the perfect delivery system for subliminal messaging, climate change denial, messages that COVID vaccines are merely a system for governments to track us, and that the war in Ukraine is made up by fake news media to sell newspapers. Built on a long tradition of brainwashing people, the sheer catchiness of the songs would cause the messages to spread like K-pop and become part of the public consciousness. These beliefs would in turn influence negative behavior change, thus exponentially accelerating the inevitable demise of the human race.
3: Do you have any specific artists in mind for
2: these? uh, Troop number one, (laughs) uh, troop number two, troops through one to five, basically. Global peace conference. Yeah, I know the words are the same, Turner. But the the plot's different, isn't it? Marginally, it's just a tour rather than a conference. But with pageantry, more pageantry, more pageantry.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you for your offering,
0: Craig. Yeah, it was bound to happen eventually. And, uh, I heard you start talking and, and I thought, oh my goodness, this sounds familiar. My plot is not very dissimilar from yours, but uh, I think it's just enough to uh, to to pull it through. So here it goes. Kim Jong-il's ultimate goal is to convince humanity to destroy itself so that his coprophagous alien species can claim the Earth for themselves. The downfall of Kim's diabolical plot is that it hangs too squarely on the acting talent and charisma of Alec Baldwin, a hugely respected megastar who is nonetheless outclassed by Broadway star Gary Johnston, whose showy and ribald monologue espousing the need for conservative dicks Shits all over Baldwin's bland, faggy, leftist whining about corporations. Ultimately, it's a contest of showmanship and balls. And that's something Kim, as a movie buff, should have paid closer attention to. As a fan of the Rambo series in particular, Kim should know that Hollywood is at the height of its powers, with the lowest common denominator, when it marries spectacle and glamour with conservative values. Everything Team America embodies. What it all comes down to is that Kim... Instead of trying to shoehorn champagne socialist Hollywood stars into the bleak beige hellscape of communism, should have gone all in on the razzle-dazzle of celebrity. For inspiration, one needn't look further than his immediate neighbours to the south. If BTS has taught us nothing else, and that's a big if, it's that what you really need to conquer the world is 9 to 11 non-threatening androgynous teens of varying hair colour and a bop in stark contrast to the drab and oppressive DPRK with its legacy of famine and economic instability, threatening capitalist values with its ostensible but demonstrably iffy focus on a mobilised proletariat. South Korea, with its kimchi, K-pop and weird cartoons, represents a foreign culture the West is both comfortable with and enamoured of. A united Korea, embracing this cutesy global perception would be the perfect cover for an enemy lurking behind the scenes. Do I need to spell it out? Behind the scenes? B.T.S. This would leave Kim (laughs) free to enjoy his life on Earth, away from the eagle eyes of Team America. He would then go on to share his utopian blueprint with frustrated pals like Putin, Bolsonaro et al., thus creating a better world for his species to eventually rule. How then, you may ask, Does Kim convince humanity to destroy itself in this world of unprecedented harmony and cooperation? He does nothing. As evidenced by Brexit, the turkeys will vote for Christmas all by themselves.
1: So essentially your plan is to do nothing...
0: My no, my plan's not to do nothing. You were talking about selective hearing. My plan is <laughs> to unite Korea and make it all more like South Korea, where all the exports of things like K-pop and kimchi and fun stuff that Western people love, to get Russia to do the same and other countries and make the world a big, happy, great place where cockroaches would love to come and live. But in terms of getting humanity to destroy itself, it doesn't need any help It's going to do that. It's already doing
1: it. Sorry, I was zoned out there. Like you did the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, or did I? <laughs> okay, very well. So, um, in short recap um, of the <laughs> of the plots of the panel apparel, Gaz said the simplest thing to do is basically to invest in a good pair of scissors. Ben thinks to, taking on a similar global tour of pop and pageantry uh, filled with conspiracy theories Lyrics Would also help to destabilize the world And convince everybody There's something suspicious going on And uh, Craig said Basically he's going to do nothing So <laughs> <laughs> You're the
3: whole plan. Oh, uh, poor I, I know I know
0: clan. what this is about. It's, it's because I disqualified him when he came up with his dolphin you, thing. Uh,
2: yeah. The chickens are coming home to roost. There clan. you, you know, go. That's the,
1: that's the way you want to play it. So, just uh, by uh, doing nothing, you've, you've, you've instantly sort of really put yourself to the back of the pack, as it were.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I've uh, deliberated and uh, conjugated and... Uh, whatever else I've done <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, yeah although I think Ben's plot is um, obviously a lot better than Craig's um, <laughs> I I, I prefer, I'm I'm a, I'm a man of I'm a man of simple pleasures and sometimes I think the most simple plans are the most effective so this week's winner is Gareth
2: who's well done. thank you thank you what that fucking dig there for no reason
0: (laughs) (laughs) not no reason obviously I've I've, uh, I've upset him with the uh, decision that I made it's fine Uh, just revenge Uh, is a
1: dish best served cold uh, ancient Klingon proverb so Gareth as the esteemed host of next week what film have you chosen for us to plot
3: on Uh, well like my last pick I'm going back to the horror genre. We're going to be watching something that I think was released about two weeks before we went into lockdown in the UK, and so I didn't get the chance to see it in the cinema. It's, uh, it's a great film. We're watching Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man. Oh, I
0: haven't seen that. Is that the one with Elizabeth Moss? That's the one. Yeah,
3: it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I've, I've
1: watched that recently. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, is that a film that you
1: enjoyed? Not
2: particularly. People. Oh. You enjoy that, guys? Me. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well I'll be sure to put as much effort into my plot as you did for this
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget we're all friends here, guys. Don't
3: <laughs> <The mom's laughs> suffering friends. Exactly. I had a very elaborate plan which I'm saving for another one. Yeah, it's gonna be worth Ooh. the wait for whenever this one comes off, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> Shouldn't have told us that now, because potentially you could be shot down in flames thinking, Oh, I've definitely won this week's one.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it too much because the decisions always can be made out of spite. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe we could work that into the intro (laughs) Disclaimer Warning, decisions are made in spite Thank you all for tuning in and listening Join us next time where we'll be discussing and plotting The Invisible Man If you like what you heard please subscribe, leave us a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Google or wherever you get your podcasts Don't forget to tell your friends in person and on social media It helps us get the pod into more ears. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at DiabolicalPod. Until the next time, dear friends, what's the worst that could happen?